call an audible and shift a little bit, do something different here as we head into lab time. But let me uh, just share with you a little bit something that's on my heart very quickly. Uh, across, the cross, an invitation to uh, liberation. And this is this is a phrase I use quite a bit when I'm talking about this passage, but I just kind of want to remind you, I felt led to do that. So Mark 8, 31, Jesus says, or this, this, this story of Jesus and his interaction with Peter and a talk about discipleship, it says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man, about himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and even be killed. And after three days, he'll rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. This passage has always been profound to me because um, I, I think we're, we're on the backside of this story. We know how good it turns out, if you will. Um, but they're on the front side and have left everything and walking by faith. And your leader, who you left everything for, says, it's about to go really bad. I mean, really bad. They're, they're going to get me. I know you saw me heal a lot. They're going to beat me on a bleed. Um, and they're going to kill me. Now, you need to know I'm raised in three days. They had no comprehension of resurrection. I mean, what? They're just processing the emotional stuff of you're going to die and be beat to death. And how could that happen? You're the Messiah. They're still believing he's the Messiah to take over everything. So they're, they're mentally and emotionally working through all this. Peter has the natural compulsion, like I think a lot of us would. I'm going to body block anything that comes at you. You're worth everything. I've left everything. Nothing's going to touch you. And it's a wild thing how the goodness of man ends up sometimes getting in the way of God's plan. Our good intentions, even when we're counseling people, is trying always to get us out of the pain. But getting out of the pain is not always the main deal. He does want us out of pain, but he wants to get somewhere with us. He needed Jesus to get down up on that cross Die as an innocent man for sins. Get down in that grave. Let death come on him, the last enemy to be defeated, and then break that thing off of a human body. That had to happen for him to be the Messiah that would liberate us all. But Peter wanted to get in the way of it. He's like, no way. It's going to hurt us. It's going to hurt you. There's no way. And he's like, no, listen. Hurting is not in the way of what I'm going to accomplish. And so he has to say to him, get behind me, adversary. Get behind me, Satan. And that's really what he means there. Get behind me, you're opposing. It says in, in here and in Matthew, you got in mind the things of man, not the things of God. Verse 34, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, listen, this is for everybody. This is forever true for anybody that wants to follow the resurrected man. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. This is this. This section has nearly been gutted out of American Christianity. And I'm sorry for that because it's, it's, just, it's terrible. This is, this is the headwaters of what Jesus says it takes to follow him. If you want to come after me, then you've got to deny this thing called self. And you've got to take up your cross. Not, not his. He's a, he must take up his cross and then move with that cross that you've picked up after me. For whoever would save his life, this is going to seem weird to you, they're going to lose it. If you keep working hard to stay alive and have pleasure and vacation, you're going to lose your life. But if you'll lose your life 
The very opposite thing that's in the nature of all of Adam's race. If you'll go against the motion of what's in your very heart and society for my sake and for the gospel's sake, you're going to save it. For what will, uh, what will, does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man, will also be ashamed when he comes in his glory with his father and his holy angels. This is a big passage. Now, what I oppose sometimes is that these are the hard sayings of Jesus. I will give you that it's hard. It's hard for the Adam race, but these are some of the most liberating words in the gospel. I think the cross is an invitation to liberation, and you can't know that if you don't know what the plague is on our life. If you think the plague is, I'm getting sick, I'm having some pain, people are in my way, they're mean to me, then yeah, I see, the cross is just another pain to you. But that's not your big problem, and it's not my big problem. Our big problem is we have a predilection, a imprinted program predilection to worship ourselves. We have something in us that steals our heart's affections away from us. God made human beings to worship him. He's most glorified, we're most satisfied when we're lovers of God. Amen, everybody? But you got a problem. You got a problem. It's called self. It manifests in sin. It leads to death. But I'm telling you, sin and death are the manifest problems of the core problem. And the core problem is addressed by Jesus. I need you. If you want to come after me, I'm here as the Messiah to liberate people for Yahweh to set your hearts free. You think Rome's your problem. That's not your main problem. Your main problem's not outside you. It's inside you. And I'm here to liberate you, and this is the call of liberation. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. The central bondage of the Adam's race is the autonomous self. It's the declaration of independence that we all declared when we were in Adam and Eve in the garden that day. In other words, could be for that the fallen self, the corrupt self, the false self. Whatever name it's called, from the standpoint of the Lord Jesus, self must be denied in order to embrace our cross and follow him. I believe that our destiny is freedom, not just pain. People talk about the cross. Like, I feel like sometimes we're just only talking about pain. I think we should talk about freedom when we talk about the cross because the wisdom and the will of God for us is freedom. John 8, 36 so says, so if the Son sets you free, you're what? Free indeed. Galatians 5.1 is going to say, for freedom's sake, Christ set us free. He wants us free. He wants us free. And true freedom is this, that my heart is unhindered and unfettered so that I can be a full-out lover of God. And I can then, from that relationship, walk out the assignment, the, the fullness of the purpose of how he made me. And the only way for you to be liberated out of the shell and the jail cell that is the Adam self-race is the cross. The key to get you out of that jail cell is the cross. It is, the, it is deep in the heart of the Father that we're all free. It's an integral part of the doorway to freedom. That is, it is the denial of self. We've got to embrace this process. So the, object, the way this happens is by the cross in an objective way and a subjective way. I know probably many of you know this, but I feel like there's an illiteracy around how, about how to interact with the cross. And you've got to interact with the objective work of the cross and the subjective work of the cross. 
The objective work of the cross is all that Jesus did for you on that cross. You don't do anything. It's done. It's finished. You receive it by faith. That is that you have freedom from the penalty of sin. It's like Hebrews 9 talks about without the shedding of blood. There's no forgiveness. The, the, the work of Jesus pays for my sins, not any work of righteousness I do. Freedom from the power of sin. Not only did Jesus die on that cross, but the Bible says now that I'm in him, I died on that cross. When did I die? It'll say that I'm dead in Christ. How did I die with him? I was crucified with him. I did it 2,000 years ago because I'm in him. That's something he accomplished for me. I also have freedom from the tyranny of Satan. Colossians 2.15 says that the enemy was made a public spectacle of by the work of the cross. So I, by faith, received the finished work of what Jesus did. My champion, has done, he's released me from the penalty, the power, and the propagator of sin. Because of what he did. But there's the subjective work of the cross. This is the tough one for everybody. The subjective work of the cross is the your cross. There's Jesus' cross. It's glorious. It's the, it's the way into the kingdom. The free work of all he did. But listen, that's not all. Your full education of the cross is not done. Your full embrace of the cross is not done. If you stop short just at what Jesus did for you. He also has designed cross for you. There's the subjective work of the cross. What do I mean by that? That means, or that involves, obedience to our personal kingdom assignment. Okay? Whatever he's designed for us. You'll remember uh, Jesus is talking about John at the end of John and what he's going, what's going to happen with him. And Peter goes, well, you know, what about me? And he's doing all this comparing. And he said, Don't, I'll do with you. He's actually talking about Peter. You're going, he's, he's alluding, you're going to die for me. And he's like, well, what about John? He's like, don't worry about John. I've got assignments for everybody. Do you know you have an assignment from the Lord? It's a bigger assignment than you sitting down and dreaming your best dream for your life. And everybody that's propagating that has missed the Bible point that God is God. And he made us for a specific purpose. And part of your cross is you obeying what your assignment is and what he's called you to. Secondly, it's involuntary sufferings like pain and rejection and trials. This is part of your cross. Every pain, every suffering, every rejection, every trial, it's either going to make you bitter or better. You've heard, you're either going to lean into it and let it do a crucifying work on your addiction to looking good, feeling good, getting your way, or you're going to end up responding and reflexing in pain and you're going to end up twisted in some chains. I promise you that there's not one suffering in your life, not one act of rejection in your life that cannot be used. It can all be used for the glory of God in your lives. And by the way, it can be in spite of the source. I don't think God's doing this to you, causing people to reject you, to be mean to you, to be whatever. I really don't. I think it's sometimes immaturity. It's sometimes perspectives and a lot of warfare. But it doesn't matter where the source is. Your God, if you'll embrace the process, can actually do amazing, glorious things in you. There's nothing. I've read a lot of books on pride, on how not to have pride. I'll, like, I'd like to sit and read my book on humility. Then I close my book. I go, I read the book on humility. I have humility. That's never, ever happened. I just feel a little prideful that I read a book about humility. And now I can preach some sermons on humility. The only thing, really, the most powerful thing that's dealt with my pride is when I don't get my way. 
when I'm not honored in the right kind of way, when the trial or the suffering comes and I begin to humble myself and realize again that I'm not God. And then obviously there's the voluntary suffering or denial of, uh, in the, in, in the, of self in this age where we truly choose to fast, to pray, to choose not our own way, to go lower in people's lives. These are all your cross. So there's the objective, by faith I receive what he did. You need to meditate it, dig it. And then there's the junk, the trial, the, the stuff that's happened, the, the spouse that won't act like you want them to act or the kid that won't, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of stuff that's going on and, and I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just telling you nothing has to be wasted by when you have a sovereign good God who's working all these things unto his end. So both the objective and subjective work of the cross are an invitation to liberation in an age where individuals in society are slaves to self. If you think about it, most your angst is caused because of a predilection for self to have its way, for stuff to not get interrupted, for plans to not, and again, I'm not trying to be discompassionate. I want to be shepherding this. I'm just living inside a, a body, <laughs> inside a personality. And I know that most of my problems haven't been the people outside of me. It's me. It's me inside me. That is an excuse, painful stuff people have done to me. I've had some just stuff and some unjust stuff done with me. I stand on a platform. It's, you know what I mean? It's a crazy little weird world I live in. And so I get too much accolade. Sometimes I get too much junk. And somewhere in the middle is probably the deal. But either way, both things can be used for the glory of God. Does that make sense? I'm encouraging you to lean into and to ask the Lord for fresh revelation about the cross in your life. The objective work of the cross and the subjective workings of the cross in your life. It's powerful. It's powerful, and it's actually for your liberation. So, Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus, sow this word into these disciples. I pray we would not be like Peter, rejecting the cross, having in mind the things of man instead of the things of God. Your way for resurrection life is passing right through the pathway of the cross. And so thank you for the cross. Thank you for the work that Jesus did, his full sufferings and death and resurrection, all that he earned for us. And thank you for how your divine designs are allowing, empowering, and redeeming this trouble that we have in this life to actually form us to be more Christ-like. I pray we be set free from bondage to self so that we might be worshipers of Christ and set for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good. There you go.